Hey world, and once again, welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that, like, we're the star or something like that. All right, so, as I like to be transparent about things, this is a guest that I did not happen to stumble across and got on here. I, yeah, was reached out to by wonderful people, and yeah, I listened to a couple things that our guest today had already done, and I knew it would be awesome to have him here. So everyone, please welcome Dr. Rob Kelly. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Danny, thank you for having me. It's going to be an epic show. I hope. (laughs) And I'm happy to have you, especially because you also have... Okay, people can't see this because this is a podcast. You have a great chair. I know, right? It's awesome. Awesome chair. Yeah. Where'd you get yours? No idea. I have a... Now, I don't mean this to sound like Oh, diva-ish, but I have people that do all this for me, buy me chairs, sets microphone up, run my bay. So I don't really know. But knowing people around me, probably Amazon. Okay, that makes sense. We have more empty boxes than Amazon than Amazon. I feel that. My chair's from Costco, so I get it. There you go. There you go. So yeah. Um, Yeah, so for those who don't know who Dr. Rob Mm. Kelly is, uh, or do you want to give your little intro, actually? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, my name is Dr. Rob Kelly. They call me the addiction doctor and child trauma doctor. We have five offices around the world. I'm based in San Antonio, Texas. But as you can tell by the accent, I'm from England. Right? In actual fact, I was born in Manchester in England. They have a famous football team there. Did I say football or soccer? I can't remember. Anyway, over here for 15 years. Loving America. Two years ago, I became a... Uh, a citizen of the United States of America, very proud citizen today. So over in San Antonio, doing some great work with people and just loving everything we do because we do everything we love. Yeah, that's a great little intro, actually. Um, I didn't know you were actually from Manchester specific. That's super cool. Yeah, born in Manchester, then went down to Oxford to be educated, come back to Manchester, went down to London, and then eventually... And got over to Dallas, Texas, where I stayed for 12 years before I moved to San Antonio. Oh, you're in San Antonio? You're like the third oh. guest we've had in San Antonio. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. Beautiful place. Actually, the other guest we had on is a social worker, so oh, okay. all in our field. Yeah, I probably know them. Yeah. Okay, so you've been very open about your journey into psychology. Um So, but something people don't really know is, and I specifically don't know, is what is the origin of your love of music? Because you also have an extensive music career. I do. I mean, it all starts, I come from a musical family. Uh, Auntie and uncle were on stage at an early age. I went with them at the age of nine. But I got my first guitar around three years old or something, four years old. So I was kind of playing around, uh, especially my uncle when he moved in with me as a musician. And eventually they asked me to get on stage with them at the age of nine. And that's where my musical career, if you call it a career, um, set off. And I always wanted to be rich and I always wanted to be famous, but it just never happened for me. So I decided to go into the background of music and do session work. Now, people probably don't know what that is. What session musician is when a band records uh, and they get the first paycheck, One of the band members might be wasted somewhere, drugs, alcohol in a different country. So I go in and do their bass track or jingles and TV back in the day 
when they used to do jingles for radios and TV where you actually had to play the instruments. There was no clever keyboards back in the day. So, yeah, that's what I did, but never became famous. But played with some famous guys. <coughs> yes, actually. We'll get there, too, because I have questions about that. But because you were basically filling in for so many different people and you play a bunch of different things, how did you find your specialties like within music? Um, I think the bass guitar was the first influence because that's what was introduced to me uh, from my auntie and uncle. If you can play the bass, you can come and play with us kind of thing. But uh, I have a knack and a gift. Uh, people often, I can play any instrument. Any, you give me an instrument. Somebody gave me the bagpipes once. I've never even seen a proper bagpipes. And within like five minutes, I could play it. That's just a gift. And people often say to me, oh, my God, how, how do you do that? How do you play all them instruments? My reply is always the same. How do you not? Because it's just a gift and it comes so naturally. So, yeah, I have to have music on all the time in the office, in the car, downstairs. I just love music and uh, I love being around it. You and Justin Bieber. Oh, yes. <coughs> the Biebs can play almost everything, it seems. He can. What a, he's a fantastic musician, a bit like Prince. Uh, most people think he's a singer, or most people think that Prince can only play guitar. But, oh, my goodness, I think they can play anything, and they astound me. I've never seen a lead guitarist, sorry, never seen a lead singer play guitarist like Prince. Never, never, never. He stands up to them. And, of course... The, rain, the array of instruments that the Beeb can play is just mind-blowing. Such a talented people. Is Prince someone you've worked with, too? Um, no, I, I never worked with Prince. He, he, I was a bit before his time, I think. But, yeah, I'd love to have spent a day with him. And who knows, with the Beeb, I might, I might uh, spend a day with him in the future. You never know. Never say never. <laughs> Good one. All right. It's, but, so you've actually worked with a lot of famous people. Elton John, Freddie Mercury, David Bowie, probably more. Is there anyone else that we should note? No, I think that was the main ones back in the day. Uh, <coughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I studied them as well because of my psychology background. And I've got to tell you, my favorite person of all time was Freddie Mercury. Such an honest soul, such a great guy. Spent many hours into the midnight hours and beyond just speaking about philosophy and life and, you know, a little bit of music, but yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. But so with their music, where could we hear your contributions to their stuff? Are you even allowed to say? <laughs> <coughs> well, it's, it's weird back in the day. I don't know what it's like now, but um, they would hire you as a hired gun. Um, and I would go in the studio and lay about 12 tracks down. No idea where they, they, they are today. But you either had a, had a mention on the album, and I think back in the day it was something like a mention on the album and £50, or no mention and £150. So most of us took the 150 because there was no guarantee that the track you did would be recorded, first of all, and secondly, would even appear on albums or records. So it's a gamble. So it was all money orientated back in the day. I mean, it also makes sense. Uh, the world of, quote, starving artists was yeah. very large back then because they didn't yes. have all the platforms of today. <clears throat> Definitely. Definitely. So you grab what you can for as much as you can. Yep. And you were happy and living life with it. I Yeah, I was, I was the first guy in my school and college to drive a Porsche 
uh, and lived the way I did. I got paid handsomely. In fact, in fact I put myself to Oxford University with the money I earned from Abbey Road. It was phenomenal. Great days. Great days. Oh, okay. So you were specifically at Abbey Road? Yes, I was actually there playing there full time for about two years <clears throat> or a little more, maybe. Then they fired me for being drunk all the time. I never knew it was possible to get fired from the music industry by being wasted. I have no idea what that's about, but yeah, that's what happened to me. Huh. Well, see, not only have you done everything on earth, you have so many little things that people like dream of just having that glimpse of. <clears throat> I know it's it's I, I remember coming out of school one day eight or nine years old and I sat waiting for the bus and it was an old old man uh, he's probably my age now 60 61 but he, 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 we started talking for someone on reason and uh, he said to me and I'll never forget do everything you can in life and never turn an opportunity down and that's what I've done with that confidence of what's the worst can happen because I come from the projects I'm a very poor family that we didn't have anything so every time I did achieve something, it's like, wow, this is awesome. I wonder if I can do that. And especially money orientated, I still do that today, although I shouldn't. But I still think about the money. Like I earned a million dollars last year. Can I earn two this year? That's always been my mindset. But is that not just also a slight trauma response from poverty? 100%. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I'm always going through that. Still working on myself through that because I have to have certain cash around me in case I go broke and end up on homeless again because we're homeless for about 14 months. So, yeah, definitely, definitely childhood trauma uh, driven, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, so you already actually kind of answered this, but we're circling back to, like, music stuff is where could we hear your contributions? You said you don't know, actually. <coughs> Yeah, I don't know. You can hear mine. I mean, I've got loads of stuff on SoundCloud. Uh, I, I've done some music for uh, TV and film industry. I don't know if it ever got to the, the point of being with a film. I don't think it did. But yeah, just search out there my name and uh, any music I'm attached to. There's loads of songs and loads of contributions. IMBC, I think it's called. The, the go-to where all the musicians and actors are. If you go on there, you'll see the stuff I've been in, the movies I've been in, and and stuff like that. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. If it's there, I'll try it. All right. I was actually Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> is it IMB something? I think it's that. Like, IMBD? Music. Yes, that's the one. Just Rob Kelly, R O B B K E L Y. You'll probably see me up there. Huh. There's a lots of Rob Kellys, and I'm trying not to get uh, R. Kelly too <laughs> oh, yeah that, i uh funny story about that um when i first came to america and we started really becoming noticeable on tv and stuff like that uh, we used to book in hotels when we traveled under the name of r kelly because that's my name so when we turned up because they'd ask on the phone is it the r kelly and my assistant will go oh yeah it's the r kelly so when we turned up first of all i'm white and secondly i wasn't the r kelly they knew my assistant would always say, well, he is the R. Kelly. The other guy just sings. So we used to get some nice sweets at the time. <laughs> I mean, that is exciting. Do you still go under R. Kelly? No, because I've got, I've got like a, uh, I'm like a, uh, a public figure today. Most people in my industry know who I am. 
And, uh, you know, million, I mean, we did a program in, uh, called Eye Opener in Dallas where I was on three times a week. It was syndicated, so I went out to about 9 million people every day. So everybody knows who I am. I, can, I couldn't walk down the street in Dallas without somebody recognizing me. So I'm recognizable today, especially in my industry. Uh, so no, I, I don't need to use the R. Kelly anymore. If you're listening in prison, sorry about that. <laughs> in the honor of Wendy Williams, shout out to the prisoners. Hey. <laughs> oh, someone else you might run across one day, actually, thinking about it. Yes. Um, Yes. No, I miss the Wendy show, but that's very off topic. Yes. Actually, she kind of inspired this show. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. But so we know you're in jack of all trades, super talented and all that stuff. But like, say you're after today when you're driving home from wherever you are, what kind of music are you listening to? Oh, I was waiting for you to ask this question. I'm 61 guys, you know, and, uh, my music is uh, Dr. Dre, Eminem, uh, you know, the old school rap things. Uh, but I'm also, this is my surprise, I never told this before. I was fascinated by ABBA. And the reason why I was fascinated by ABBA was not the songs, though they were amazing, but it was actually the orchestration of every song. In actual fact, when they first started rehearsing for the ABBA uh, musical on stage, they had to fly the two main guys over there to show them what they did because they were the first to record on, on different tracks at so many levels. Like the lead, lead guitarist, this lead guitar stuff in there is actually tracked about 20 times. It's phenomenal. So, yeah, I listened to some of that. And then I'm into the, I'm into what's new. I'm a big TikToker, guys, a big TikToker. And the music on there is phenomenal. So if I hear something, I'll download it. But an array of music, country, rap a little bit of rock, a lot of pop, you know, the Madonnas when she first came out, phenomenal stuff. So yeah, just uh, just an array again of, of music because I'm a musician. Wow, I never would have guessed uh, pop or ABBA. I love ABBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do, it's amazing. I've, I've seen the musical in Manchester when it first came out back in the day and it was just amazing, amazing. But I will say, I'm glad that you also recognize it too, which isn't that fascinating, I guess, since you're in the industry. But most people don't get that their <coughs> orchestration's like through the roof. It's 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 amazing on two levels. First of all, yeah, it, they used, you know, 48 tracks, let's say, but they used it three or four times in every song. And secondly, all them songs were wrote by the, the two main guys in a little shed. I think it was Beyond's uh, backyard or garden, a little shed they used to sit down every day from the hours of like eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. And they would write and write and write and write. Even the bass track in some of them songs is mind blowing. You know, they really work their craft so that they would be able to become superstars. I think they were gonna be superstars from day one when they came on with the Eurovision Song Contest. They won that and then from there on, superior, absolutely superior. One of Sweden's biggest exports was ABBA, followed very closely by Volvo, the car, I'd say we're multi-trillion dollar company. But yeah, Abba was above all that. It's crazy. I agree. So, because I'm curious always about creative types in this question, if you could create like your own dream record, there's a bunch of parts. What parts would you do for the record? Who would you want to work with? And would you actually want a music video with it? 
I would definitely take over the bass. It's been a long time since I was an amazing bass player. I'm an okay bass player. And I'd also like to do the backing vocals. Uh, singer, dead or alive, uh, would definitely be Freddie Mercury. Uh, lead guitar would be Prince. And the drums would be Andy from the, from the band The Police. Such an amazing, crazy drummer with his techniques and his little taps and stuff like that. And uh, maybe some backing keyboards by, and I just forgot his name. Um, yeah, I'll get his name in a second. But yeah, that's that's what I would like. I can't go anywhere, guys, without, without telling you that name. So give me one second. I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, no, I'm the same way. Like me trying to Google your IND page. But there's a lot of Rob Kellys in the world. There is. Two Bs, though. I thought that was pretty rare, but obviously not. Uh, so my keyboards will be played by Michael McDonald. So how's that for a lineup? And yes, of course, a music video. I'd love to be on video with my song, but I'm doing something silly, doing something crazy, like some dances and stuff like that. Uh, there was a great song back in the 80s, I think it was, Fat Boy Slim. And uh, the actor, very known actor, uh, was in the video and he danced the whole way through and it was phenomenal. So yeah, something out the box, definitely. Huh. With all these people, they're very versatile. What genre is this record? Oh my goodness. Well, this is what I do. <clears throat> With all the guys in it, uh, the kind of poppy guys. So I would kind of do the pop song, but what I would really like is for Eminem to come in and do a featured part, maybe where the guitar middle eight goes or middle 16. I'd like him to take over some amazing, because he's a, he's a genius, you know, he's a genius uh, lyricist, as Elton John called him. So yeah, he comes in, does his part, and then I'm covering genres all over the place. Massive crossover of the century. Yes, yes, boom. Yeah, very Avengers-like. Yes. Which, uh, if you go listen to other interviews Dr. Rob Kelly has done here, you'll see his unique connection to the Avengers world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes, I know where you're going with that. Oh, that was, oh my goodness, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, you led into that. Oh, 10 out of 10, Danny. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will avenge you one day. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. So <laughs> you say you're a compassionate guy who loves giving to others what had been freely given to you. I want to know what was actually freely given to you. The, the, the freeness of uh, bondage of self, that I was no longer tied into mental twist of alcoholism and drug addiction and a way out. You know, there is a way out. You can permanently recover from any addiction, any addiction you have. And of course, the spiritual way of life. I live a spiritual life today. I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. But I do have a spiritual life where I think that somebody is looking after me and guiding and protecting me on a daily basis. So that's what I like to pass on to other people. The, the mentality that you can do anything you want in life. Quantum physics will back me up here. This is what I teach when, I, uh, when, I'm, when I'm going through with my patients. Is, and you, I always get this, Danny. Well, you can't be president of the United States. Well, I beg to differ. Despite your political views, we had a business owner in the country. Don't tell me that you can't do anything you want to do. As long 
as my grandfather used to say, you're willing to pay the price. Sorry, world. I just remembered this is a podcast. I've been nodding my head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's very open here that I'm adopted, but I'm adopted from Hong Kong. Actually, <laughs> that's another way we're connected too. I was colonized. Wow. But awesome. through adoption law, technically I am, quote, owed every right as a person born here. So technically, I'm pretty sure I can run for president. Hell yes. You'd make a good president. Would I? I don't know. (laughs) I know myself enough to know that I might go the egomaniac route just to be on TV every day. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's what I would do. I did that a few times when I was on the doctors. Um, I kind of got egoistic and, you know, where's my plane and where's my chauffeur kind of thing. And then my wife slapped me, which she's never done ever, and said, if you speak like that again, we'll get a divorce. So I have people around me that bring me down. But, oh, my God, am I a diva. Oh, my God. They bumped, they bumped it once from first class to coach. You should have seen the storm that I caused. You know, I had to go back later and apologize. But, oh, yeah, I'm the worst. The actual worst. Speaking of being uh, the worst and a diva, you're also a philanthropist to balance that karma out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love to give back, man. You know, just the more money we earn, the more money we give out. In actual fact, we gave out uh, $150,000 last year to people that were homeless, people that needed a house or court costs to get the children back. And, you know, people that want to start their lives again, having had a bad start to life. I just love that. If I'm driving down the gas station and I see a a woman with three or four children in the back trying to squeeze $10 out of the pump, I'm the first one to drive in and fill her tank up. I just love doing it. I love seeing the the thankfulness and the grateful uh, attitude on the faces and the face light. And some, some people think I'm crazy. Some people think that, you know, why are you doing that? It's crazy. You should be saving your money. Like, no, The, the joy of having money is to give it away. In actual fact, we've just this month kicked off the Rob Kelly Foundation where we'll be taking huge donations off people and giving it all back to the communities around the UK and the US of A. Wow. Uh, Specifically to help people restart their lives after... After anything, after childhood trauma, after addiction, after broken marriages, homelessness, poverty... Uh, we, we have been known many times to walk into a school in Dallas and San Antonio and completely pay off their lunch debt. So a lunch debt is, guys, if you don't know, is where moms can't afford uh, to pay. So they, they fall weeks behind and, and all of a sudden they stop giving the children lunches, which when I found out was absolutely devastated. You know, from my poverty, nobody that I know ever goes without food. So yeah, we will do that always. Um, we just, we love it. You know, we just love it. Everybody, every therapist in my company has to carry a pro bono. That's just part of the deal. So when people call up and they can't afford our services, uh, if we have a pro bono uh, position, then then the, the therapist has to take them on. And if they don't, we you don't work with us. So it's all about giving back today. No, I agree. I'm not as eloquent about it as you are, but I agree. Yeah. It's got to be. said if I ever got famous, I would still want like a two-bedroom house. <coughs> I don't want to clean a mansion. 
and the excess money I probably would do towards like adoption scholarships because although I would be generous with money, I love knowing about people's lives. Yeah. And so I'd be like, tell me everything in this application process. <laughs> yes. And what, what are you talking about if I ever? You mean when? You're destined for TV, Danny. It's written all over you. Are you kidding me? You'd be awesome on TV. Thank awesome. you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I say if ever because it's more of a if ever I choose to pursue my efforts that way. Yes. Excellent. I love that. Because I know I could... But is that where I want to invest energy into? Makes sense. But yeah, no, we're on the same wavelength. And speaking of the same wavelength uh, of them being divas, is that you've been described as the Gordon Ramsay of the psychology addiction world. So my question to you is, do you ever worry that that title would ever give you a bad reputation, quote, quote? Uh, never. Uh, Gordon's a good friend of mine. And I love what he does and he's passionate about what he does and... You know, you've got to remember uh, the cursing about what it's about. Cursing when I do it is is in the appropriate place, uh, but it's grabbing someone's attention. That's all it is. As in, listen, you need to listen to this because it's going to benefit your life. So <clears throat> I don't. It's never has yet. In actual fact, it's kind of wanted by most of the people that either work with us or podcast or TV. It's kind of that outrageous. You know, he can't be a psychologist. It's, it's too crazy. It's like. That's what I need to bring in, especially with addiction, with alcoholism and drug addiction, when it's so, so sad when you see these people. I will often wear pink color scrubs with blue shoes and a red hat or something or stupid glasses. I have 27 pair of glasses that are all as crazy as this. Uh, so I like to bring the fun side and the light side whenever I can. So I think it's a, I think it's a plus, definitely. No, I agree because... <clears throat> Again, in Gordon Ramsay's world, he is an expert in what he's an expert in, but also he is entertainment. Yes, exactly. People, again, like Eminem, when I met Eminem, it's just everyone thinks that, uh, you know, he's this crazy, cocky guy, and he's not, you know, when you really meet him. Like most people that you think you have a, a certain idea of the persona and the behavior, and that you meet them and they're totally different. I find that is the case with many people is the actual person he is and what he has to do to create followers and great, you know, viewing content. That's what he does. No other chef before that did that. You know, he was like, oh, my God. It was a bit like um, the guy on America's Got Talent, the, the English guy, kind of his name. Simon. But Simon, yeah, Simon. Uh, he just blew everything up. You know, everybody wants to be like Simon now. And it's funny when you get – you know, other shows in, in different countries that like you've always got the sign in there because it brings that controversy and everyone's waiting to hear what he says. It's a bit what Gordon does. You know, other people around are trying to copy him, but he was the first and he's still working like crazy now. Call me, Gordon, if you listen to this, call me. He tried to call you for the last couple of weeks and not heard anything. Don't you do a runner on me. Speaking of last couple of weeks, everyone, today is April 5th, 2023. So if anything we say today turns differently perspective and twisted whenever you listen to this, <laughs> don't cancel us. Don't blame us. It is our life today. <laughs> yes. No, actually, I say that because I started the podcast in like mid-2020. Oh, wow. So I was like, guys, <laughs> you're already opened up. What's it like? Well, a year later when the episode came out... <laughs> Wow. Or we just didn't know what the next month would be. So, yeah. yeah, 
I think it's important because I hate when I listen to interviews and you have no idea what they're talking about or when. Yes, I agree. Okay, so because you know everyone in pop culture, so do you know of the great Abby Lee Miller? I do. And, um, you know, if somebody would ask me a few months ago or a few years ago, my answer would always be the same. I have never met her, but the modality... You know, you've got to understand that what you see on TV and have never met her again is not actually the background. I mean, she studied, man, for years and years and years. The modality that she took on is like a Gordon Ramsay, is like a Dr. Rob. It's like these entrepreneurs that that are outside boxes and what she created was phenomenal. I only think that when she got a TV show going, Dance Moms, that things start to go awry because... You know, it was filming. It was amazing content. For, it was a bit like Housewives and Beverly Hills or whatever it was, you know, or Sex in the City, um, which is actually called Sex and the City, not in the city, guys. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but she created an empire. She created something amazing. Um, I think the only thing is she got bad advice about the 750000 that she tried to hide away. God bless you. I'm glad you've done your time. But yeah, I love her. I absolutely love people that take a normal subject like dancing, like music, like cooking, and then turn it with their own twist on it. And they might think, that's amazing, that's amazing. But what you're going to do is go back and realize that she has really done the work and she has really done the training and she knows what she's talking about. So when she comes against these moms, which again, is, it's all rehearsed, you know, it's, it's for effect, but you've got to follow her. She's the queen of dance and I don't think anybody's going to surpass her. Or the way that she changed the competition world. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Or yeah. I should say the whole show did. <laughs> yes. Because she didn't have anyone to fight with. Yeah. Yeah. But her ideas, her her pushing forward, it was just amazing. Very yeah. much respect. Did you actually watch the show or did you just know of it? I used to love to watch, watch the show, uh, but I used to get frustrated sometimes. And my wife was like, you can't watch that show. It's too crazy. And I was arguing. But I loved it. And I love seeing the girls and the boys, you know, do what they do. And then watching a couple of them as, as they grow into teenagers and young adults and where they are now, I love following people. Anything that's artistic, I love to watch. And, you know, there's an entrepreneur right now and his son is like four years old from China. And uh, the way he plays piano is better than any other pianist I've ever seen in the world. That's what I like to watch. So, yeah, definitely. Artists doing their thing. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, to the world. No, I totally get that. Uh, for those who have listened long enough, or if you haven't, I'm a huge Dance Moms fan. I fully agree with everything you said. Abby did the work. Production, I think, definitely manipulated every situation <laughs> to get everyone to that level. And yeah. if you don't believe me, go listen to Back to the Bar podcast with the moms talking about the episodes. Not sponsored. Don't come after me. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's actually what I was doing before I like logged on to record this. I was listening to this week's episode. But yeah, back to you. So something I always wonder, because I'm not the best at accent placement, and I know the rest of America isn't, but how often are you mistaken for Australian? Oh my God, 80% of the time. 80 I always get, you're from Australia, and I go, no, guess again, you're from Ireland. No, one more guess. Is it England? That's what I usually get. However, four people I've met while I've been in 
uh, Texas, who are Texans themselves, as soon as they hear me, they come up and go, Manchester, United Kingdom. And I go, how the hell do you know that? But the rest of them, I'm as Australian as they think I am. You know, <laughs> my dad <laughs> could relate to that too. So my dad, so I'm Chinese. Everyone knows that. My dad's Chinese, but he doesn't look Chinese because he's like 6'1 and like wow. rock size. Mm. So everyone thinks he's Samoan. But he was in an airport one day and he, some lady walked up to him and she's like, you're from Forest Hills, New York. Wow. And he was like, wow, how'd you know? She's like, your accent. And I was like, hold up, people. This lady could tell accents between the different cities in the street. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. People with that gift. Yes. So other than music, arts, and psychology, you're an avid fitness person. I am. I've just lost 100 pounds in the last uh, 9 to 10 months. I, uh, I kind of, when you get to position I am, you get to choose who you work with, when you do it. So I kind of got lazy a little bit. And uh, I put on about, oh, maybe 100 pounds over the last five years. Uh, so I, I decided <clears throat> when I was 60 that I was going to be the best 61-year-old looking guy and fitness guy ever. So I said about that, just under 100 pounds of loss, go to the gym every day. Ooh, look at the muscles, baby. So, yeah, train every day, love it, careful what I eat. Uh, eat more raw foods than I do uh, chemical sprayed food. 90% of our food is sprayed with uh, fats and starch and stuff like that. So, yeah, try and live healthier and uh, loving every minute of it. Yeah. So what makes you so into what well, could be basically how'd you start all of that? Because you said that now that you are in a position where you are, where you get to pick and choose of all things you could have dove into, like you could have dove back into music, like you could have done yeah. a lot. Why this? Um, I just didn't like the way I looked. You know, I saw myself on TV the last show I did because I pulled away from TV because of my weight. When I saw myself on TV, I wanted to throw up. Uh, and everyone, of course, all my guys, oh, you look amazing. No, I didn't look amazing. I was 320 pounds. I'm not being funny, guys. And God bless you if you are. But 320 pounds wasn't good for my health. And I did not look good at 320 pounds. So it was time for a change for me because I influence people. I, I do lots of speaking around the world. Uh, I, I, I inspire people and I just think that it would be better if I felt better. So that was the reason I went on that journey for no other reason. I know guys that are 300 pounds and they're happy and they look great. I didn't, you know, I just didn't. And I didn't like the way I looked and it affected my confidence. So I went back and did this and my confidence has grown back to what it used to be, which is awesome because we live in such a material world, says Madonna. Because everything is is based on look, what color, uh, what color you wear in this month, Louis Vuitton, which Louis Vuitton, by the way, you probably know, guys, is is the biggest customers and the biggest age gap is uh, the poor trying to look rich. By the way, people will go we're hungry and buy that three thousand dollar Louis Vuitton bag. You know, it, it's all show. No rich people wear that unless they're gifted and have to wear it in the contract. So, yeah, it's just a material world, you know. It's just you have to look good if you're going to teach good. That was my mentality. The only thing of, of any substance that I wear is I love my Rolex watch. Uh, last week, my, my wife bought me my Rolex watch. I had one before, but it's not the solid gold one like this. So I just love it. 
I, I love Rolex as a whole, and it's kind of an investment. Anything else uh, I don't wear anymore. I don't wear named brand goods because I just think, you know, why pay $500 for uh, a McCartney T-shirt, the designer, not the musician, when I can buy a $20 T-shirt at Costco and look quite and look just as good in it. That's why I always think. Yeah, no, materialism does run the world. And yeah, no, I appreciate that candidness that you just were not happy with how you specifically look because it was not your healthy because, you know, everyone's journey is its own journey. We could talk about this for yes. days, people, but everyone's probably heard a lot of it by now if you're listening to this. And the other question for you is any personal records that you want to achieve like in the fitness world? <coughs> Okay, so I would like to I'd like to appear in a in a named fitness magazine uh, from my journey because it, when you're swimming the twenty pound guys, uh, and I know some of you can't even imagine that, but <clears throat> especially the age of sixty when you're supposed to be over the hill, <clears throat> it's dangerous, you know. So the recognition of that alone, not what I do or anything like, just that journey uh, is inspiring, you know. It really is inspiring. Um, so I, I'd love the opportunity to do that and, and give a little bit of story and inspiration to all the people that think they're overweight, uh, not necessarily overweight, but again, we're talking, I've seen guys bigger than me look twice as good as me. You know, it's not about, it's not about that. It's about how you feel yourself. I'd love to share my story with all those people who think they can't achieve anything because either they're too old, too big, not educated, that's that is just you know if you if you if you're sat at home now and you're feeling as if you're not good enough you'll never achieve you'll never be blonde enough tall enough thin enough or rich enough if you're thinking that right now i want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there kids are only born babies are only born with two fears the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises everything else is man-made wait till your father gets home oh my god your homework isn't it's all fear generated why don't you just be yourself if even when I started dieting and training and stuff like that, my wife said something to me before I did. Because I said, I just don't like this body. I want to change it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And she said, why don't you stop worrying about what other people think and just love the way you are? So that started my journey of, yeah, I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm doing it for me. And then once you get into that routine of healthy eating, first two weeks are horrible. But after that, drink more water than anything else, cut down on the alcohol, all the great stuff they tell us then it became a natural way of life and, and the weight dropped off me and I could go to the gym again. I could start running again. So yeah, I'd like to run half marathon. That's a great answer down to the question. I want to run a half marathon. That is a good answer. I forgot the question. I was so engrossed in the story. <laughs> like, <laughs> huh. So only a half, not like a full triathlon, a half marathon. I, I think those guys that run a, a run marathons and triathlons and all that stuff, thank you. You're great and you fantastic. Thank you for what you do. But uh, I'm too old for that. I, I know my limits, yeah. And uh, I, I ran a half marathon once when I was when I was about 30, 39, 40, and it was awesome. But you know, by the time I got to the end of it, there were people passing me pushing pushing babies in in a in a, in a trolley. I was going that slow. And uh, I, 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 it's a great achievement, but oh no, I, I'll never run a full marathon. Never. I don't blame you. I once watched people wa run a full marathon because <clears throat> work, I was on the sidelines cheering. And I was like, why are we cheering? 
Shouldn't right. they be like too busy, like either focused or dying to pay attention to us on the side? Right. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> so although we have all these other things in common, because we really had just an easy flow, like people for context, like of the named questions I usually ask people, like we're usually like an hour and a half. <laughs> Rob here and I are fast talkers. We're in 40 minutes right now. And we'll see if it stays 40 minutes after whatever I have to edit. Uh, but <laughs> now we get to talk about the true stuff that we really sync up on is therapy. Mm. So as a fellow therapist, we have a bunch of fun questions to ask you today here at the show. Here at the show, I have a bunch of fun questions for you. Ready. I <laughs> so, love this. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, so probably the easiest one. Favorite theoretical orientation? Oh, got to go with the Carl Jung's theory, but because I study alcoholism and addiction pertaining to the illness and not normal psychology, I've got to tell you that uh, I believe uh, in, in neuro-linguistic programming and, and neuralistic changes of the neural pathway. I believe in neuroscience and I believe in neuroplasticity. So kind of that is the way I go. So I had to go where people have never been before. So there, were, there wasn't much influence for me to follow. I like a bit of Freud. I like a bit of Carl Jung. Uh, you know, but my, my modality and, and my teachings and learning is, is definitely based around A, the way I'm living today, and B, I have to step outside the psychology uh, name tag, unfortunately. So coaching is ideal for us because we can go out there and we can teach and practice what I know, add a bit of Gordon Ramsay, be excited, be aggressive, and just do what I do. So long answer there, guys. <clears throat> but neuro, neuroplasticity tells us that we can change the person that we think we are, and we can change the person who we're, who we're treating. Whereas many people, and this is where it gets controversial, many therapists are working from, you know, studies and, and uh, textbooks that are 20, 30 years old. Um, so I have to say that um, I've brought the new psych into this. I've brought the neuroscience into it, and I think it's the way to go. And I think in 25 years' time, when I'm no longer here, probably, that this will be the norm, the stuff we do. Because we're the only people that have 100% success rate in the psychology world and the addiction world. We have a nice 7%. The nearest to us is 7, 17%, I think, because we, we're onto something. So, yeah, bit of everything, but our modality definitely and our teachings go around the neuroscience, without a doubt. All right. And because you've said it so much, I'm going to let you explain it. Can you explain what neuroplasticity is to those of us who are not in the psych world because of course. a lot of random people that listen to this. Of course. Neuroplasticity is a way of reshaping and rewiring the brain. So until about 15 years ago, the medical fraternity thought the brain was hardwired. So you could go get your education, but you can't really change who you are. So you can change the people around you, but you can't, but you can change people around you kind of thing. So my thought pattern of being amazing, successful, if I, if I put that into action, I will become you know, quantum physics, again, backed me up on this. So neuroplasticity is changing neural pathways, which are basically thought patterns from self-sabotage, which is caused by childhood trauma. Everybody has childhood trauma. Um, if you don't fix that, then you will suffer in your adult life. So we redirect those. We redirect it away to, to positive, um, successful neural pathways. So me as an alcoholic and addict, when I was suffering at 80% bad neural pathways, they would self-sabotage, they would drink, use suicide, all that stuff. The average person doesn't do that. 
So by, by using that and remolding the brain, you can actually change uh, the addiction and you can change the person and you can change the behavior. So basically in layman's terms, that's what it is. The brain is like plastic and we can remold to anything that we want to do and anything that we want to be. So just because you come from poor parents like me and lived on the projects like me, doesn't mean that you can become, listen carefully, the highest paid doctor in Texas. And I'm talking neurosurgeons and I'm talking surgeons. You know, I'm only PhD, but I was the highest paid uh, doctor in Texas over the last four months. So from there to there, he's not bragging. It's like people there where I was and some of you are today, you can get here to where I, you can go beyond. I'm only setting this level because it's such an achievement for me, but you could go way beyond that as to, to disguise the limit. Stop putting the brakes in your imagination. Take them off. Once you can imagine it, once you can vision it, it's 100% true that you can hold it in your hand. Wow. That, that was, was a crazy great explanation. That <laughs> was a great explanation. Um, but yeah, because every time I think of neuroplasticity, I always think of that movie. God, what was it? Lucy. Yes, yes. And that, like, that's my go-to explanation, which, sorry, world, if you're a fan of that movie. I hated that movie. But mm. <laughs> like, oh, that's my go-to explanation. I'm like, guys, just go watch that movie. It explains it. But also, sorry, you have to watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. So is there anything specific that you would like to change about the psychology industry? Oh, yes. Here we go. Uh, so there's many things we found on the way that psychology is stuck in this area. With my specialist subject of childhood trauma addiction, uh, we need to step out of that area. So I would definitely ask, uh, because the treatment model right now is broken. It is broken, guys. So I would ask the state boards, to rethink and relook at some of the methods that we're using today. We've learned so much about neuroscience over the last seven, eight years that we wouldn't need to change that. Of course we do. Uh, <clears throat> I can't really, you know, tell you everyone I've worked with, but the results that we do are phenomenal. So I would, <clears throat> I would ask the psychology board to look outside the box a little bit and loosen the parameters of which we can practice. I would definitely do that. No, it is very much a thing I like to explain too. Oh yeah, you you're an immigrant too. So this yes. is my like whole <clears throat> metaphor I use to basically say the same thing you said. Immigration law, I don't think it's been updated since planes were invented. <laughs> probably right. You're probably yeah. right. And yeah, and drag these people into, into the 21st century. Most of them are lagging behind. Most of the most of the rules regulations. Now, I'm not a great lover in changing, you know, what we already are, which, we, you know, obviously we have the right to bear arms and everything like that. I'm not a great believer in changing them. I think they all make sense. But I think the way we live life today, the way we teach life today, uh, the psychology behind it, the philosophy behind it, uh, the who can achieve, who can't achieve, and that college, if you go to college, you'll have an amazing job or you'll be somebody. There's no ROI on college diploma anymore. They used to be back in the 80s, 90s. There's not anymore. In actual fact, many super billion dollar companies don't care if you've got. In fact, they'd rather not you have a, a college degree because then they can teach you their methods, a way to work, rather than coming in with a master's thinking that you're the God's gift. You know, so I'm sorry, guys. I know you're going to start writing into me and writing into Danny, but that's the way it is, guys. You know, we have to think 21st century, not 19th century. 
at the shape of the at the shape of a star podcast if you want to write to me. Um, by the way, people, I have to plug that in. Um, but yeah, no, please write your opinions on this. I, as someone whose job is post secondary planning and all this stuff, I love talking about that too. About what is your best chance at your success? <coughs> Because Definitely. success is defined differently and more and more and more praise, 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 psych theory that we all know. Uh <laughs> yeah. without a doubt. And it's a success. Success does look different for anybody. Success for you can be, you know, being a great father. Success for you can be working in the car wash and, and cleaning the best cars. You know, it's not all about money. Well, it's not never about money. Money will never make you happy. I've been rich and I've been poor, homeless poor. You know, I, I was more happy when I was homeless, believe it or not because I didn't have anything to worry about than I am today. So I always say that if you follow the money, you miss the dream. You miss the dream that you live in. It's not the destination, it's the journey. Make somebody's day every time you get up, compliment people, start doing something that's changing the world. Because if we're not changing the world, what are we doing, guys? We're just going along with the same mundane thing. And if your brain and the basal ganglia within the brain is trained to do the same mundane thing every day, you're never going to change unless somebody steps in and helps you. So to the, tomorrow will be the same as today. And yesterday will be the same as today. It's like, do something, compliment somebody, give buy somebody a Starbucks, you know, send something to the home, whatever it is, do something every day to make sure you step out of your comfort zone and you be somebody. Because if you, for a second, don't think that you can't do that. You are disillusioned, my friend. Everybody can do it. It only takes one act of kindness to spread through generations. And what I mean by that is we, we did an experiment. If you're in a built-up area, guys, try this. It's always best when there's loads of people around walking past shopping. Spot somebody because sneakers are the best. Spot somebody with nice shoes or sneakers on. And as you walk towards them, go, hey, man, nice sneakers. And as they walk past you, oh, thanks, man. I'm carrying walking. You turn around and watch that guy. He's going to walk down at his shoes at least two times. Now you've made his day. Now he's, he's happy he's got his sneakers on. He goes home to the girlfriend or wife. And because he's in a good mood, now she's in a good mood. And then the mother-in-law calls two hours later. And because wife is in a good mood, mother-in-law's in a good mood. For what? Nice sneakers, friend. Well, come on. That's the power we have from one human being to another. It's phenomenal. And yes, you can change the world today. Yeah. Kind of like uh, every six people know each the whole world deal, but just yes. on happy vibes. Always. And remember, you're only six friends away from the president. <laughs> I know too. Anyways, that's a different story. Um, don't come after me, world. Uh, <laughs> so... I know you, you've kind of touched upon this, but I know you can't reveal whom you've worked with specifically, but I know listening to other things that there are a bunch of A-listers that have been on your list of clients. So my question to you is, have you ever gotten any like Hollywood perks from running in with these A-list celebrity world? Hell yes. Especially when I'm working with somebody who's mega wealthy and you know, I go to the house for a month and work with them closely. And all of a sudden we're on a jet, private jet, going to Bahamas somewhere. And I'm staying there two weeks with them. Everything paid. Everything you can have in the world is there. I've been offered free cars. I've been offered free watches. Anything I want. Uh, I turned down Britney Spears, unfortunately, because she wasn't ready. And the father offered me a million-dollar check 15 years ago when I first came over here. And I had to turn it down. 
because I don't do this for the money. I do to provide a service that will take you to a different level and a different frequency. So, yeah, I got to see things that I would never normally see, and I got to meet people I would not normally meet. So, again, I'm going to share something, guys, that I've never shared before. And that is I had a, a patient in Dallas, Texas, and we were working, and he asked me in one day, and we're working in his house, and about two hours later, he said to me, oh, my next-door neighbor's going to pop in. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, of course it is. Sure, house, and in walks uh, the President of the United States. I would never be in a position to ever have the presence of such a, such a guy, because I think all presidents are amazing. Forget the political views. They have a lot on the plate to do amazing things. Geniuses, you know, even, oh, he looks stupid, or Biden's this. No, you try and do that job, and you try and be popular with everybody. It's impossible, you know? So, yeah, definitely. And uh, for those guys who have the haters out there, let me tell you something right now, talking about the different people. He's not this, he's not that. You will never get a hater who's doing better than you. Never get a hater who's doing better than you. So brush it off like like bad dandruff. That is so true, though. <laughs> no one, like, haters better than you. It doesn't happen. Never. Never. They always, there's two kinds of people in this world, Danny, I found. The people that love you for who you are and the people that want to be you. And that's about it. Or even just a part of you. Yes, definitely. We just don't like what you've got and you've stepped out and you've actually done it because they don't have uh, the guts or the balls to go out and do it like you. Because I hear time and time again, I'm fearful of success because what if it doesn't work? What if I make a film myself? You know, I go out there on TV and it falls flat on its face. What if that happens? My answer is, what if it doesn't? It's like Schrodinger's box. Is the cat dead or is it still alive? Well, you don't know until you open the box. So you don't know until you try something. Oh, I'm not very good at that. Oh, I don't. Try it. Try it more than once. You'll find out that everything you do in life is worth doing. And when you, if you do fail, especially in the early days when you do fail, because failure is good, uh, as long as you learn from their mistakes, then it's not a failure. It's a learning exercise. You know, look at the Beatles, some like a hundred record companies they went to, and everyone said, you were terrible, go away, you'll never make a record. Look at the girl who did Harry Potter. She was turned down hundreds of times from publishers, said you never write, go home to your children in that poverty little house. You know, people are telling us this all the time. But again, the mindset is everything. If you believe you are the best writer, author in the world so you will become so there's a story because i know we've got time there's a story that came from england in london many years ago probably back in the 80s 90s and <clears throat> there was a school that had ages 9 to 12 i think before they went to the next school and a, a, a market research guy goes in a research lab and they asked the headmaster that would that they come up with this testing paper exam or testing paper that they could give to their kids in the school and they would predict the top three geniuses. They would, even at that age, they would predict who was going to make it and who was going to be famous and captains of industry and all that great stuff. And the headmaster and the teacher said, that's impossible. So he said, can we try it? And he said, yeah, of course you can. So the next day the, the science lab came in and they gave all the people out. I think there was like something like 40 people in the class and they gave them all test papers. <clears throat> it took about 30 minutes. And after they finished, they came back and they took all the papers and they went away. And told the headmaster, we'll be back tomorrow with the results. 
And he came back the next day and he said, we have your top three that are amazing. So they said, okay, let's have them. Well, the so first one's Jenny. Oh my God, Jenny, are you sure? Oh yeah, she's, she's one of those. Headmaster was like, oh my God, I would never. Who's the second one? Bill. Ah, oh, maybe, maybe not. And the, and the last one was Julie. Ah, oh, I don't think, I think you're wrong about Julie again. <clears throat> they went away and said, we'll be back in 12 months time to see how them three geniuses were doing. When they came back in 12 months time, listen up guys, this is important for the psyche and the mindset. They asked, how's our three uh, pupils doing? And the headmaster was absolutely, he said, I don't know how you knew. We, we need to see the exam. How did you know that these three were going to aspire? One's already had an offer from college because he did a, a paper. How did you know? And the research lab said this. There was no exam. In actual fact, when we left the school, we threw them all in the trash. But because we told you that those people were going to become famous and, and very wealthy, so you treated them like that. So they become Hence the saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you're hanging around with nine guys that are not successful, you will become the 10th. And again, success is different to so many people. If you hang around nine depressed people, you will become the 10th. It's called the mirroring part of the brain. Monkey see, monkey do. We copy our friends. And if you're copying a, a guy who's happy staying on uh, state benefits and smokes all day and doesn't do anything. If you hang around him, you will become him. You have to start hanging around. So if you're on 60,000 pounds a year or dollars a year and you want to earn 100, you have to start hanging around the people that earn 100. And then your frequency will change. And again, you can have anything in the world. You can be anybody you want as long as you're willing to pay the price for that position. Yeah. And that wasn't that long of a tangent, actually, because you were earlier like, well, you know, we got time. That wasn't long at all. No. Good job. <laughs> so, I mean, you've already given us a couple of these like exclusive moments and stuff, but you're very open about yourself to the public world. Like if people want to learn about like your addiction story, you can go listen to other shows and whatnot. But what's something that you haven't shared that is interesting for you to share to the world? <laughs> You don't have time. Guys, you don't have time. Most of the people we've researched and done interviews with on the deathbed all say the same. I thought I had more time. You don't have time. Uh, if you, any parents out there, what was it like when you sent you, your child off to kindergarten and then the next minute they seemed to be going off to college? That was 16 years gone like that. So we don't have time. So date that girl, date that guy, ask for that job, go for that car, buy that house. Do not hesitate to do these things because what I would hate for every human being in the world is to get to the age of 70 or 80 and, and be miserable and miserable all her life. And God, God, I wish you'd have done this. So if you're married and you dislike your wife and you hate her, get another wife. If you don't like your job, get another job. If you don't like your car, get another car. It's not really that simple, Dr. Mo. Yes, it is. It really is that simple. So stop making excuses and start action. Judge me by my actions, not by my intentions. Everybody can put, oh, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to do it now. Do it. Start it today. I'm going to open a bank account. Call them today. 
and make that go forward and then you'll do it. And if you keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, you're going to be 80 years old. So, oh God, I wish you'd started that company. I wish you'd been brave enough to ask that girl out or guy out. I wish, I wish, I wish. Because that's all it is, a wish. What you see in your dreams, when you see yourself being prosperous in your dreams, you can have that. It's all ready to go. Every single brain in the world is born with this. Neural pathways for success, for health, and for wealth. All you have to do with the neural pathways is connect them. That's what I do. I connect them neural pathways. Once they are connected, it's impossible for them to break again. So anything you want, anything you desire, if you like giving money away, then start earning money. It's the best thing in the world. Becoming a millionaire isn't that hard, guys. Especially in 2023. Are you kidding me? You've got a screen in front of you. You're speaking to the world. It's not that hard. The hardest thing is, is staying sane while you're doing it, and especially when you're there. 90% of people that win the lottery are devastated one to two years later. The families broke up. Everyone's hate. People are suing them. And they all say the same thing. I wish I never had bought that bloody ticket. So, yeah, come on, guys. Go for it. Do it today. A much simpler way to say it that I was always told, too, is... Oh, God, how does the phrasing... God, that was a horrible setup that I couldn't deliver on. Um, no, but basically, I say this a lot when I'm working with people, too, is how did it change your life? So if you go for it and it happens, great, you got what you wanted. If you don't get it, well, that means you didn't get it, and that means your life didn't really change. Yeah, it's not meant That's to do it. Yeah, exactly. And people always ask me, well, I'll just start changing my life. Okay, first of all, you get up and you make your bed. Secondly, you go into the bathroom and you brush your teeth with the opposite hand. And you do that for two weeks. You're building new neural pathways. Go to work a different route. Do something different. If you get up every morning, have cereal, then coffee. Have coffee, then cereal. It's all the little things that are changing the way we think. Therefore, changing neural pathways and changing behavior. It's quite simple, really. Yeah. Um... Yeah, people, we keep saying the same thing. So listen to us, I guess, because we're awesome. <laughs> All right, so now is the time to plug in my mini commercial, everyone. So because it's a psych episode and because Dr. Rob here is also in Texas, we're going to go with Geek Therapeutics today. So Geek Therapeutics wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes. Feel proud during the instant you raised your arms in victory after conquering a Dungeons & Dragons quest. And cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning that esports tournament. They want you to use geek culture and its artifacts such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, esports, and tabletop RPGs to unlock the best version of yourself and others. All their stuff is approved by the APA, ACE, and BCC for their trainings and certifications. You can check them out on geektherapeutics.com. Use the links in the description to subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. And if you have any questions, reach out to me because I went through it too. Toot toot me me. I was the first person to get that certification outside the creator. So, hey oh, I know what it takes to go and I'm more than willing to help you figure it out as well if you're interested. It's also not only for psych people. If you just want to get that certification, you just earn the title specialist versus therapist. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. So actually, we have a fan question for you, Dr. Rob. Because my friend... Uh, uh, 
<laughs> okay, let's go. Okay. So this particular person kind of, they are, are recovering. They, you know, they've been sober for like five years now. So they wanted to know about your perspective on how does one's identity affect the psychology of an addict? Uh, identity is obviously everything because when you suffer from addiction and you first start to get sober, you lost your identity. You lost your identity many years ago. And this comes out a lot of the times with marriages when you split up, the woman goes away from the marriage with no identity. It's always been the guy's programs, the guy's friends, stuff like that. So identity is very important. And listen, again, you can be anybody you want to be. You, you really can. You know, and, and if you're sober, first of all, congratulations. That's a monumental uh, achievement, you know. But why don't you change your identity? That's what I did. Just change to the person that you want to be. I don't refer to myself unless I'm on TV or radio as an alcoholic or addict. I think it's a tag we don't need, especially when we recovered from that stuff. And we have, a, we have five years behind us, you know, in the right places, in meetings, in 12-step meetings. But outside that, my identity is strong, passionate, successful, and confident. Because I decided that I was nothing like that many years ago, especially teens and 20s, 30s, 40s. So I came out of that when I got sober and decided that I'm going to create a new identity. So stamp that identity into yourself and stamp it into everybody else. Walk proud, stick your chest out, and become the person you always wanted to be. Awesome. Thank you. And that literally just like came into my DMs like as you were answering the previous question. <laughs> so I was like, oh, look at that. Nah, my friend was like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, recording, leave me alone. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, hold up. You would actually be interested in this topic. Got any questions for an expert? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we came up with. So thank you. All right. So are you ready for the rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. Also, do not fear uh, if they're not rapid because no one's ever fast at these because we all go on tangents. Yes. Question number one. Oh, this is funny. What are your chosen coping skills? Uh, my, my coping skills are two English Bulldogs, which I have. They're great coping skills. I make sure I sleep eight hours a night. Uh, very important for rebuilding uh, three parts of the brain, reset every 24 hours so that, and just having loving people around me. I don't suffer negative people. I do not suffer in my circle anybody that's negative. So they're kind of my coping skills. I do say I love you in the mirror 10 times every morning to replenish the subconscious brain that was full of crap one day. So yeah, that's they're my few coping skills. Awesome. Number two, Team Edward or Jacob? Jacob. No reasoning? No, no reasoning. Just, you know, it's, a, it's an easy choice. Why is it an easy choice for you? I don't know. It just seems to come naturally. I just, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's like Manchester United, Manchester City, and United straight away. It's just like a little bit superior than every, everyone else, you know, so definitely. Okay. Which direction should you cut your sandwich? Oh, listen, guys, it's very important this because in Texas, they serve you the big sandwiches and they're not cut. So if you're feeling good about yourself, you cut from top to bottom, okay? If you want to have an even better day, you cut diagonally from left to right, from top to bottom. Try that, guys. You don't think it has a psyche, but try it. What direction should you fold your napkins? 
Uh, left. Because I'm right-handed. It's just, it's naturally, a de definitely a left. What gift would you want to get from a fairy? The bottom half of my teeth. I had the top ones cut, but the bottom ones are still not done apart from there. So I would like to get a new set of bottom teeth, please, Mr. or Mrs. Fairy. <laughs> Left or right Twix? Definitely right. Oh, my goodness. Definitely right. Right-handed. First one out of the packet is my right one. What's a trend that went too far? I would say running. I took up running some years ago and, and it really took over my life because I have the addictive personality, of course. So I was training for the half marathon. But to, uh, two months before the marathon, I was running 28 miles a day. A day, you know, and I was very thin and it was crazy. But yeah, I took that too far. I, I wish I hadn't. Um, yeah, definitely running. What's one thing that you would eliminate from life? I would eliminate... Uh, one of my haters out there, out of the millions of people that see me, I only have one. That's not too bad, is it? So I definitely eliminate him because I keep coming across him and he keeps pissing me off. God bless him. I'm going to pray for you tonight. But yeah, definitely him. Would we know this person? No, definitely not. He's, he's a Mr. Nobody. He just, again, you know, he's not doing as good as most people. So God bless him. If, if you can call me or, or make stories up about me, God bless you. Keep doing it. Who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? Oh, wow. What a question. Uh, hang on a sec. Who would play me? I think that I think maybe, maybe Robert Downey Jr. Would, would play me. He has a similar background and stuff like that. So. This documentary or movie about your life, what genre is it? Um, I want it to be a serious documentary about life, I think. Uh, I want it to be, some when somebody watches it, I want it to change their life. So not too serious, not too good, not too funny, not too, just something that hits home. Because just like my book, it's funny, it's sad, it's funny, it's sad. It's like just, you know, telling people and showing people how your life has been over the years. If you stick to the status quo, which click would you be in? Yeah, well, it's funny you should ask that because I, I don't know anything about these questions, guy, because of the fuss. But I, I think I, I'd be in the geek. I'd be in the geek community because at 61, nobody thinks you know anything about computers. I'm a whiz. I'm on everything. You know, I know how to do everything in, in today's world. So, yeah, definitely. All righty. Um... Mm. Which clique should you have been in in high school? Or whatever you have equivalency. I don't think you call it high school over there. Yeah, I, I would like to have been the cool gang, which is which were those guys that uh, played on the soccer team, you know, full-time. I played now and again with the full-time. They hung together. They, they ate together. You know, it's probably the same as over here. But yeah, I'd like to have been in that clique. Last question, which I cannot wait for your answer. If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? Abba, uh, take a chance on me. Wow. That just come up that's on my head. I, I can say I've not heard these questions because the fire run. Definitely take a chance on me and definitely by the group Abba without a doubt. 
So you hear that everyone, the series documentary about Dr. Rob Kelly starring Robert Downey Jr. is going to kick off with Take a Chance on Me. Oh, God. That's that's a number one right there. That's, oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, God. Inspiration from the minute you start to watch it. Definitely. Because that's most people want to take a chance, you know? Most people would love to get the chance. Yeah, I was just having this conversation the other day. It's not that song that I chose, though. What God, song did you choose? Well, it's not my opener for my documentary, but the song that I would use to get people hyped in a minute, though, is Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Even though the lyrics, who cares about the lyrics? Just oh, the beginning. That's that that strange. Yeah. That's the hype. You can yes. take over the world with that. Definitely. I love it. Oh, but yeah, there ended the rapid fire questions. You awesome. went through it. One of the fastest people we've ever had. <laughs> well, that's because I'm the oldest. I have more wisdom. That's all it is. Actually, you might be the oldest. I had to think for a second. I was like, are you the oldest? You might be. Um, I'm yeah. 61, almost 45. Oh, yeah. So you're on TikTok or do you just look on TikTok? Hell, I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff on TikTok. I only just joined. Well, I used to, I, I'm on it about two hours a day. But just, I've got some posts on there, which is good, which I'm going to improve on. But yeah, I'm, I'm on there. Uh, I think I'm at the addiction doctor, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, love me some TikTok. I'm going to check it real fast, everyone. Give me a second. Feel free to keep jabbering so there's not silence. Of course. So um, I'm going to look as well, just to make sure I've got my name right. But yeah, all social medias. Most people think, and, and, and Facebook is changing, guys. But at one time, Facebook was the go-to media for marketing. But there you go. There I am. Uh, yes, there I am. So it, the addiction doctor, correct? It's addiction doctor. Addiction not the... doctor yeah. Go and have a look, guys. Give me some comments. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Rob Kelly. Say hi. Do all that great stuff. And uh, it'll be amazing when this show comes out in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm commenting, are you going to reply back? Hell yes. Hell yes. Awesome. Good to know because I use the TikToks to promote this show. I post like the sound clips and now I can tag you. Perfect. Perfect. So other than Facebook and TikTok, where else can people find you? Instagram, LinkedIn, all that stuff. Courtney is my media girl. You know, you'll, you'll probably, if you send anything apart from Facebook, you send any messages, it goes straight to Courtney. If it's important, she'll pass it to me. The only thing I do every day is uh, is Facebook. Do that myself just because I have so many friends on there. So, yeah, all platforms I'm on, guys. Or do a Google search. Just put my name, Dr. Rob Kelly, with two Bs, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com is the website. But stick that in and uh, have fun with some of my stuff. I'm a crazy guy. I'm not a serious psychologist or behavioral scientist. I brought the fun into it. So some of the TikTok things and the, especially the Facebook things are hilarious. You've got to watch them. Oh, no, I'm super excited to go explore because I did not know you had a TikTok. <laughs> I discovered your Instagram like two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that's also why you were such an excellent guest to have on to the show oh, once I like found yeah. and listened because I, well, the way I speak now is the way I speak to everyone I'm working with too as a therapist. Like, I'm the, I don't sound like a textbook. I cannot sound, pro, quote, professional, unquote, to yeah. save my life. But that's what also makes me a great therapist for those who I work with because yes. they need the blatancy of just casual colloquial language. Yeah, definitely. It goes a long way. But thank yeah. you for saying that. It's awesome. 
No, no problem. I have a bunch of questions for you off air. But is there anything you would like to say to people while you have this platform? <laughs> Life's about fun, guys. You know, if you're not having fun yet, what are we doing? So everything will pass. So if you're going through that period that's really upsetting you or saddened or everything will pass. Nothing's forever. Everything is temporary. So stop getting to that fight at work. Stop getting to the mentality of trying to beat your haters because he said a comment on Facebook. You're obviously doing better than them. Enjoy the journey. The destination will soon be here. So enjoy the journey and just smile. Practice smiling. Most people, when I say that to them, they go, well, I already smile. Practice smiling. Walk into a room with a smile on your face. Most people are going to smile back. If you walk in there with a frown on your face, most people, people will frown back. So have fun. Stay safe. And start living the dream instead of dreaming of living. This might be the worst thing to say to someone that works in addiction, but, uh, oh no, I could say contagious instead. Happiness is contagious, not addiction. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, it really is. We don't allow anybody in our company to be sad. If, they, if they've if lost something or something like that, we give them the day off, we pay them. But if you're in a bad mood or you drank too much the night before or you've been partying or whatever, do not come into my office. You have to come in 100% happy and 100% ready to go and change lives of anybody that walked through that office door. And I feel that. Yeah. All right. So listen, all you satellites out there, if you want to reach out to Dr. Rob Kelly, you could reach out and all the stuff I'm going to link in the description, show notes, whatever you call it below, because apparently there's show notes now for a podcast. Don't know why it's not a description anymore. Um, but yes, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming today and talking to the peeps. Yeah. And thank you for asking me, Danny. I mean, I know Courtney reaches out and she tries to find amazing podcasts. I mean, I'm on Rogan in a couple of, of weeks' time. It's not the size of it. It's she goes out and she finds unique podcasts that she wants me on. And it's funny because uh, I've cancelled three patients today because Courtney's, yeah, I mean, great choice. I, I wanted to. You've got to meet this guy, Danny. You've got to meet. He's changing the world. He's amazing. So, yeah, it was just all you, man. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do. You make an impact, man. And you made me smile today. And the questions nobody's ever asked today. That's why I give you two things I've never told anybody before. So thank you, man. Absolutely. Let's stay in touch. Definitely. Oh, no, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you after the jingle. Bye, the rest of the world. And peace.